There are no words strong enough to describe what happens to a woman's world when she finds out that her husband has been addicted to porn, or worse, has been cheating on her. In the days ahead, there will be gut-wrenching, soul-shredding pain. There will be tormenting fears. There will be haunting questions. There will be the bitter knowledge that nothing will ever be the same again. And there will also be a God whose heart is wide open to her, whose love and wisdom and power is strong enough to take this tragedy and turn it for eternal good. When my chaos happened, it shattered everything. A, a woman cannot understand this when it happens to her. And it, I couldn't understand it. And I scrambled and I was full of chaos, anguish, anger, all of it. But as I started growing up spiritually and got into the Word of God, He was giving me hope in Him, that He was my hope. As hard as it may be to comprehend in that moment, there really is hope for hurting wives. What is this doing to you? What are you allowing it to do to you? Because you do have every right to turn to the Lord and to humble yourself to Him and let Him, ask Him, plead with Him to teach you how to go through it. Hey, this is Nate, and this is our latest series, Hope for Hurting Wives. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right, so we're starting a brand new series going through Kathy Gallagher's book, When a Secret Sin Breaks Your Heart, and I've got Kathy Gallagher in the studio with me. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. All right, so as we get started here, what I want to do is, first I want to kind of give my take on why you wrote the book, and then I'm going to give you a chance to answer that question later. Mm -hmm. My take on it as I read through the book is that the pain of sexual betrayal when a husband sins in that way against his wife, it's one of the most devastating things that a wife can go through. Mm -hmm. And the, that sin, it unleashes a chaos inside of the woman, mental turmoil and confusion. Um, and the pain is so acute and so severe that it forces her to deal with it. And she's going to deal with that sin in some number of ways. Mm -hmm. Some of the ways that she handles that sin can be redemptive and restorative. Mm -hmm. Some of the ways that she handles that sin can be just as damaging in a mm -hmm. way as the sin itself. Yeah. And so she needs very clear, godly, biblical wisdom about how to handle this. Yeah. And so you wrote that, um, you wrote this book as a way to answer that need. Yeah. So as we, as we get started, I, I just wanted to, I thought it would be helpful if you could share your overall approach. What are some of the foundational things that guide the way that you counsel women in this situation? Right. Well, <laughs> a lot of the way I counsel and the reason for the way I counsel comes from my own experience going through it and the things that the Lord showed me 
and how he took me through when my chaos happened. It was profound. Definitely, it shattered everything. Um, a, a woman cannot understand this when it happens to her. And it, I couldn't understand it. And I scrambled and I was full of chaos, anguish, anger, all of it. And as I processed through um, for the first couple of years, I was a wreck. I made mistakes. I did wrong things. I did very wrong things. I made terrible decisions because I didn't know what I was doing. But as I started growing up spiritually and got into the Word of God, I started, yeah, the Lord just started really helping me as I was, you know, I, I did what most women do. You go looking for answers everywhere except to the Bible. You know, it's like the last thing we think to do. It's like it's, I think it has something to do with it's not quick enough. You know, I need it now, you know, and I think because we feel that way and we feel such an urgency to get the mess fixed that we will read the word, but we don't give ourselves to it. Well, I did. I don't know why I did. I was a young woman. I was very young, but I got into the word of God and there wasn't a verse or a passage that did it. It was a whole thing. It was something that God was doing in me. It was, he was changing my mind and he was helping my heart, but it wasn't like, I don't know how to quite describe it. He wasn't giving me hope that I would have the happily ever after. That wasn't what the Lord was doing in me. He was giving me hope in him, that he was my hope. And again, it took a long, long time. Again, one of the, one of the things that happened for me through the devastation and at the same time through my walk with God, I was learning to get my eyes off of Steve. That was like one of the biggest stumbling blocks for me was I kept watching him. And as long as I was watching Steve, there was no hope. It was so hopeless. It felt terrible. But when I would get like momentary glimpses or just a little ability to turn away from Steve and really look at the Lord. That's where something was happening to me inside. And eventually, one day, and literally in one day, it became real to me. Turn your eyes on the Lord and quit looking at the man. And I did that. But it, the way that it translated was I, I just surrendered. I gave up the monitoring, the watching, the waiting for the next shoe to drop, I just, I had to quit. I just got out of this realm of thinking I had to control everything. I, I gave up. I surrendered. Mm -hmm. And the Lord, that was like a catalyst for me mm -hmm. into my life with God. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that when you really got into the Word of God for yourself— what he began to show you was not like tips or techniques mm -mm. to fix the marriage, mm -mm. but he gave you a way to handle the situation so that the reality of what you were going through didn't totally destroy you. Yeah. Well, when I went to the Word of God for tips and tricks, um, how to make this mess go away, the frustration was intense because it wasn't there. 
I wasn't finding tips and tricks. Mm. The Lord was not accommodating that at all. And it was kind of like a good frustration because what it did was it caused me to try and look at the word differently. Instead of being a bite-sized Christian that, you know, I've said this many times, I don't believe in the verse a day keeps the devil away. I am not a one-verse person, and I don't believe that's the way the Bible was intended to be read. (laughs) It's a revelation of God and what he's like. It's not a revelation about how to pinpoint specific things in your life and find a verse to fix that. That's not how it works. And that's why so many people are disappointed with the Bible because it doesn't it's not doing what they want it to do, mm-hmm. which is give me something right now. And I know that the Lord uses, you know, he has used verses that way. He has given people verses, but that's not typically the way that a Christian should be looking at the Bible. It's not a manual for a happy life. It's the revelation of God and what he's like and what he's doing. It's not about us. I've said this. You guys have heard me say this probably a half dozen times. Um, The Bible wasn't written to us. It was written to ancient Hebrew Jewish people. So it wasn't written to us. It was written to them, but it was written for us. So if you can start to look at the Bible that way, It makes more sense. Mm -hmm. But as long as we're looking at it like trying to take an ancient text and cram it into modern 21st century America, that's why people are frustrated with it and why they're giving up on the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women who have been so hurt by their husband's sin, who cannot find a place to file this devastation, and they're not getting from the Bible not all of them, but there are a lot that are not getting from the Word of God what they think they need are giving up. And they're, turn, they're walking away from the Lord because not like they're not atheist. They're just not trusting hmm. and they're not relying on the Word of God. So my whole thing is if I'm going to be their counselor, they're going to be in the Word of God and they're going to be in prayer because that is what's going to do. It's going to change their heart. It's going to change their mind. And it's going to give them the grace of God to be long-suffering, to do all the things that Jesus was to us, that he is to us, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and willing to forgive. And, and all the things that we love about the Lord that he did for us That's what we're supposed to be becoming, Mm. that same person. But man, I'm telling you, when sexual sin comes into the thing, game over, man. And I deal with a lot of angry wives. They're so, so angry to the point that when they do sit down to read the word, nothing's penetrating because this wall of anger is just almost insurmountable for them. Yeah, I I can't imagine what it would be like to go to a person to receive counsel and the the essence of the counsel is you need to become a different person yourself. And it's painful. It's very hard. But that's exactly what the Lord did to me. He wasn't shielding me like I wanted him to. He wasn't delivering the comfort in the way I wanted it. That's not how he did it. 
In fact, one of the things that I, I can say it now, I didn't understand it at the time, but he was teaching me how to go through suffering. He wasn't teaching me how to escape it. That was never his goal with me. He wanted me to learn how to go through. And, you know, it makes sense now. I'm 40-something years into the whole thing, and I understand better, much, much better now why. Because life is full of suffering. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, you know, and it's, it's true, and we do, and a, a lot of it comes from our own household. So one of the questions, especially recently, it's come up in a couple of different women that I'm dealing with because the anger level is over the top and the things that, that come out of them, and I understand it, that there are just no words to describe how painful it is for a woman but the things I'm hearing coming out of some of these ladies and the, the anger that they have held on to for decades in some cases. So my question is, and I, you know, I got to say, I, I want to preface it by saying I love these women. I really do. I care deeply about them. My heart is broken for them and what they're going through. But I also know where that's going to take them. So my question to them, what kind of Christian are you? Look at the anger. Look at the bitterness. Look at the rage. In some cases, violence. Look at your life. What kind of Christian is that? So that's where you have to really start being honest with yourself. What, what is this doing to you? What are you allowing it to do to you? Because you do have every right to turn to the Lord and to humble yourself to him and let him, ask him, plead with him to teach you how to go through it. The only other alternative is to stay angry, rageful, violent, and on the verge of divorce. That's the alternative. So I don't, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for women to leave their husbands, to divorce their husbands, and go on and find the next best thing. That's not going to happen. It's practically impossible to find a man who hasn't been in sexual sin. So that's like, it's a crazy thought anyway. The answer is, you've got to find your hope in the Lord, in the midst of the trial. That is the answer. So... It's very hollow for a lot of women to hear that. What they want to hear is a method, a system that will make this all go away. And I haven't found one yet. Yeah, I can't. Um, I've never been through it. So I just want to preface that right up front. Well, like, you have to get married first, Nate. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I'm not trying to make this sound trite in any way mm -hmm. or like the the process to getting to the point you've described is easy but i do think that women need to hear that what you have given them is the answer that they really need mm -hmm. it's not the answer that they are wanting but it's a better answer because if you, if you can get to a place where the sin of another person does not have the power That's right. to destroy you, you are an overcomer. Mm -hmm. 
You are an overcomer, but not only that, you can become a help mm. and not just somebody on the sideline. And that that had happened for me and Steve. Um, when we finally got back together and I had my surrender moment where I was not going to monitor and watch every move he made. Um, that was I was resolute in that, and I really believe that the Lord helped me to keep that because in myself, you know, I'm weak. I just was weak, and that was my natural propensity was to protect myself. But when we repented, and we both had a big repentance, and I needed to, I just did. I just was stuff in me that was so wrong. So I repented. Deary repented. He's my dearie. And I had to just keep walking my walk with the Lord. But because I was resolute in that, my devotion to Christ really was more than it was to Deary. It had to be that way. But because of that, I became a help to him. And somehow... I don't know how to explain this, but I was no longer threatened by what he was going through. It was almost like I started to really understand it center to center. Because I know what I did. I know what I went through. I know the ways that I failed the Lord. And it was like, I said this in my book in the chapter Level Playing Field. It was real to me what I was, you know, and what I did. And whether or not a person commits actual sexual sin, whether a wife actually commits sexual sin, there is so much stuff that comes out of us that we need to repent of. Well, when I got that right, I was actually a help to Steve. I was actually able to not be so threatened and terrified of a failure. With another person, that was a game over thing. That was not going to happen again. And I was not going to live with a man who was having sex with other people. Pornography and people, they're two different things. I know it doesn't feel that way, but trust me, they're different. If he were to fail with pornography, I wasn't going to flip out and lose my mind because I sort of was understanding that it was more than just, oh, yeah, I want to go have some fun, you know, with the little lady away. I'm going to go have some. It wasn't like that. It was a powerful, had a powerful hold on him. And I understood that. And I wanted to help. That was the big difference. I wanted to help him. So we got on the same page. And he was able to share with me what was going on inside. He, we actually started to talk. And instead of me blowing up like a volcano when he was telling me the truth, I was listening to him. And it was real. It wasn't mock. I really wanted him to feel like he could come to me without there being, you know, punishment for it. And that's one of the things I try to tell these wives. He's not going to be honest with you as long as he's punished for it. If you blow up because he's trying to tell you the truth, why would he keep coming back to that? Don't make it impossible for him. And there's a difference between a guy who's just, you know, not sincere, not really trying, and a man who's really trying. And you should be able to have the discernment to know the difference. Yeah, and I think it's important, too. Um, I just want to bring this in because, in a sense, you, you got the good result. 
I did. that you were looking for. Oh. Right. Yeah. And some women don't. No, that's true. Some women don't get that result, but I, I just I, I've heard them say they went through the process that you're talking about. They became the different person mm-hmm. that you became. And I've heard them say, like, as heartbroken as I am that my husband is not repentant, mm-hmm. some in some cases he leaves, they've said, I'm okay. Yeah, that's right. Because your hope isn't in a man. Your happiness isn't in a man. You know, the happiness thing, you know, we've been sold such a bill of goods in this nation, and especially in the church, that life is all about the American dream and prosperity and the, you know, (laughs) the nice house, the two cars, this whole thing that our lives have been built. It's all we've ever known. I was born in 1960. All I have ever known is prosperity and my family, my mom and dad trying to give me a happy life. I was raised in that. We were all raised in that. But that doesn't make sense in the Word of God. And that's what has helped me so much to quit thinking that my happiness is going to come from a person. It's not. There's nowhere in the scriptures that talks about that, but that I can become a fountain of joy. We become dispensers of justice, of love, of mercy, not expecting it. And it's a very backward way of looking at life for us. We're Americans. And so, you know, we're scrambling and we want to have a happy life. And, you know, in one sense, that's not wrong. You know, God created us to want to be happy. And it's like one of the things that drives us in life, to have hope, to have happiness for our children to be, you know, protected and safe and happy. And that's not wrong. What's wrong is taking that so far that you end up, dare I say it out loud, We almost become pagan, you know, just very hedonistic in our desire to have all the stuff and the happily ever after. And it's like somewhere in there, and each person has to figure that out on their own. For me, I turned my back on that whole thing a long time ago of having the happily ever after. To me, it was a pipe dream that I could expect a person to make me happy. And as long as I had that as my goal in life, I, would, I knew somehow, I learned this early on, I would never be happy because that's not where it's going to come from. He's not enough. And the burden that that puts on a man for a woman to bring all of that into his life, and that's the demand, that's the ex- expectation, it's more than anybody can handle. Mm. They can't bear it, and it's not right for them to bear it. Together, as a unit, as people who love each other, who are loving each other, we're lifting their burdens because we're doing that. But for one person to demand it solely on another, it's not right. Mm. A lot of disappointment. Yeah, and I mean, what what you are describing, again, is just the path of becoming like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because I was just thinking, I mean, 
if Jesus was dependent upon the people around him <laughs> for his happiness, he was, I mean, he was just going to be in a world of sorrow and misery and suffering because his own people rejected yes. him. The people in his hometown misunderstood him and tried to kill him. Yeah. His, I mean, they tried to kill him. Yeah. His friends, his, the people he grew up with. Yeah. We, murderous rage. And his disciples his all disciples, bailed on him. Yeah, they didn't understand him, and yeah. they were a drain on him. And then at the hour that he needed them most, they all denied him. And yeah. I mean, that if you're dependent upon someone else in that situation to keep your boat afloat, right. you're going down. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, I've used the bucket analogy a thousand times. It's like a lot of women, and men too, but I see it mostly in women because that's who I deal with. It's like a bucket. It's got a bunch of holes in it. And we want men to plug those holes. And they can't. <laughs> That's not, it's not right to think that way of a relationship. It's like when you love somebody, you are giving to them. You're not in the mindset of taking something from them. And I think, you know, just to kind of circle back a little bit, that's why so many women are so hurt by their husband's sexual sin because they have been loving their husbands. And look what he's done to her. Mm -hmm. She thought she was being loved, but then you find out what he's done. He hasn't been loving me. He's been using me. And I think that's one of the most horrible realizations for a wife. And that's where the anger and the rage comes from. But nevertheless... What kind of Christian are you? Yeah, what you're, what you are trying to do. I, I mean, I just hear it loud and clear: is you're trying to give them a way to have the kind of internal life that they have been looking for in their marriage. Right. They've been trying to get peace and joy and happiness from the marriage, yeah. and you're trying to give them a way to have that regardless of right. what's happening. That's right. Because that's that's what Jesus, you know, Jesus was the fountain of joy, mm -hmm. regardless of the circumstances. Right. That what gave him the ability to love and to give and to keep sacrificing. And, you know, he was the man of sorrows, but he was also anointed with the oil of gladness above yeah. everyone. That's right. That's because right. he had that connection with with God. And he was fully man when he went through all of his suffering, fully man. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he doesn't understand. He says to us, I know, I understand. And nobody has been more maligned or more mistreated ever than he was. So to think that Jesus is disconnected is so, again, it, it really points to the, the waywardness of our own thinking. And that happens when you're not really reading him. That's mm -hmm. what you have. You have to read him in the scriptures, mm -hmm. not read about him. And, you know, it just you just have to read the Lord. He's there. He is there. There is so much in the word for us. It is immeasurable, unfathomable riches for us if we would just get hungry Get hungry for the things of God. Cultivate a hunger for God. Listen to 
good, solid <laughs> Bible teachers study the Word, learn how to study the Word of God. And I know I'm talking to wives or to women who have children, and that feels like a bridge too far, you know. But the Lord knows your limitations. You can still have a hunger for God, an, an inward yearning, and a almost a brokenness because you're hungry. Mm. Ask, just ask, and He will give. He is an abundant giver, and that is what we have to have. It's like if you're not hungry for Him, you're not going to have Him. This is a relationship. And I just, I cannot emphasize enough how much, how much your relationship with Jesus Christ will help you go through what you're going through. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Again, we're basing this series on Kathy Gallagher's book, When His Secret Sin Breaks Your Heart. And there's just no way that we can cover everything that's in that excellent book. So I would definitely encourage you to get a copy of that. It's available at store.purelifeministries.org. And as always, please know that we have wives counselors standing by for anyone who may need solid, trustworthy help from a certified biblical counselor. Just go to purelifeministries.org for more information. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.